slow start. It's okay. It's okay. Um, we do have free coffee in the office in there, so just y'all know it's a kickstart on Sunday mornings. So we got you guys. My name is Michael Page. Uh, I am the campus pastor here at Connection Church um, in, in, in Pooler, Savannah Garden City. So welcome. Because um, and so if it's your first time here this morning, I just want to give you a, just a, a personal welcome because you guys are the reason why we do what we do here at this church. You guys are the reason why we get here and set up and, and, and do everything you see is about connecting you and, and everybody else in this room to a growing relationship with Jesus. Because that's what our church is about. It's about seeing people connected to a relationship with Jesus that is not stagnant or, or stale, but one that is growing and one that we're seeing people become new in Christ and being effective for the kingdom. Um, this is Meredith just told you guys, we're just starting a new series this week called Disciple. Um, and if you know me at all, you know discipleship is very close to my heart. It's something I take very seriously. I love discipleship. And I, I don't think there's anything in our faith that can really show you like the grassroots, the foundation of our faith in Christ as discipleship can. And so I, I, I love it. And that's what our church is really based off of. But, you know, something else we're going to start today also is a, a new theme. A new theme of, of the year. This coming year until the end of December, we're going to have a, a theme that's going to start today and go throughout the rest of this year where everything that we're going to be doing is going to be based off of taking steps of faith. Every series, every connect group, every child's lesson, every worship song is going to be based around taking our next step in our faith. And so 2019 is going to be called the year of next steps is what we're going to call it. And so we're going to see you guys being challenged in that. And so, But over the next seven weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a disciple at Connection Church. Believe it, probably the best definition that I can give you um, that we here at Connection Church believe a disciple of Christ is, and I'm going to put it on the screen for you, it's this. Someone who follows Jesus, someone who is being transformed by Jesus, and someone who has joined Jesus on his mission. Those three things. That's what we believe it looks like to be a follower or a disciple of Jesus. Someone who follows Jesus is being transformed by Jesus and someone who joins Jesus on the mission. And we're going to, what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to simplify that for you guys. And we're going to bring that down to three basically common traits that we find in a disciple in that definition. We see a disciple as a servant. We see a disciple as a worshiper. And we see a disciple as a missionary. And those three things, that's what we see all throughout Scripture as the disciples were, were growing up in their faith. And we're going to talk about those for the next seven weeks. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you a week of, of understanding what a servant is. And they're going to give you a week of application. Now that you know that you're a servant, what does that mean about your life? And we're going to do the same thing for worshiper and missionary. And so let's pray together. And we're going to jump right in um, to what we're doing today. So, Father God, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. Father, I thank you that you are a God of, of uh, you're so faithful. God, you, you love us when we don't deserve it. God, you, you, you are, you are just, uh, just so majestic, glorious, Father. You're the beginning and the end, God. You're the only one that deserves any sort of glory. I'll fall on fertile soil, God, that you would just change hearts this morning, Father. God, just hide us behind the cross as we speak this morning. God, give us, give us a new heart and a new mind, God, as we, as we dig into your word. We love you. It's your name I pray. Amen. All right, so last week was pretty awesome, right? I got a couple like Meredith said, I was like, oh, yeah, that's huge what happened last week. You don't see 13 people in a church of 130 go from, take a, take a next step of baptism. That, God is moving in people's hearts, and it's so cool to watch, and it's always amazing to me. I sat in the back and was just, you know, crying. I was like, man, what's happening? Man, God is just moving in people's hearts as they're taking their next steps in baptism and salvation uh, ne- uh, in, their, in their connect groups. And, but what it did for me probably more than that is it got me thinking uh, throughout this week about the current trends and cultures in the modern day church. And, you know, most churches, what they'll do is they'll judge their success about how many people attend their service. They'll, they'll judge their success by how many people get baptized and for, for, and for, or how many hands that are raised after a church service. And that's how they'll judge their services. Like this, we must be successful because we're, we have 10 hand raises this week. Hallelujah, right? And, you know, and to me, that sounds, yeah, that's about right. That sounds good. But I feel like, you know, the common practice in the church, though, what I've seen is that is we preach a sermon that just, just directed at, like, people's emotions. We're trying to get people to make decisions, make decisions, make decisions, take next steps. They get them baptized, and then get them, you know, and send them up in the air, right? Like, we get people saved, we get them baptized, all right, go get them, you know, and send them out into the world. But we don't, we, there's, there's something that's missing in there when I look at Scripture. You know, it, the Word, you know, you can look at Scripture. The Word says that all of heaven rejoices when one of God's children repents. 
I've read that before. All of heaven is a party. You've, you've told when you're a child, you get, when you get saved, the, the angels are going to have a party for you. You, know, you hear that since you were a child. But I want to tell you, I want to offer you a little bit of a different storyline. I, I think heaven rejoices even more when the church, the big C church, begins to walk alongside of people in discipleship, teaching them to make disciples. I think, that's the, I think that's the pinnacle of all of it. And I think disciples who are making disciples, who are making disciples, who are making disciples is the only way to gauge the success of a church. Period. Y'all with me here? Y'all wait? Okay. So, so right now, what, what I feel like in our church, we're, we're kind of struggling with this culture. And I honestly think probably it's, it's probably a 50% lack of understanding and probably 50% laziness. You know, I feel like that's probably where we're at. And, and, and why do I say this? And I say this because I, I can think of people in our church right now who I know who have been discipled, but they aren't actively pursuing making a disciple right now. You see, success in a church should never be determined about how many hands are raised or how many, you know, at the end of a service, but how many of the disciple makers. And how many people we're sending out the doors of our church to be gospel bearers and disciple makers. That's the gauge of success in a church. Even in Scripture, you can look at Scripture. The, the word Christian, it only appears three times in the Bible. With the word disciple, it appears 281 times just in the New Testament. Which What that tells me, what that tells me, it would be foolish of us or you or anything to only celebrate conversions. And I want to, don't get me wrong with this. Anytime that someone goes from death to life in Christ and walks into a relationship with Jesus, this place is going to go crazy, okay? We love seeing people take their next step in salvation. But success in following Jesus, success in following Jesus is always going to be determined who, by, who, by disciples who are making disciples. That's the only way that we can determine that. You see, what, what, it, what it means to be a Christian is to trust in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's conversion. That's conversion. Trusting Jesus, turning from my sin and turning towards him. But a, but a true convert, a, true con, a truly converted Christian always leads to lifelong discipleship. It does. It, which means you go on to pursue for the rest of your life for the rest of your life, doing all that he's commanded you to do. And so I want to tell you, I want to challenge you in this, is that conversion, all, we need to look back at discipleship. Or if it doesn't compel discipleship, we need to look back at our conversion and say, hey, we're, you know, what's going on? If I don't have a desire to go and to, and to disciple people and to, and to raise other people up, where have I missed it? Because I'm going to tell you, against everything that I've learned when I was growing up in my Baptist church as a child, salvation isn't some fire, divine fire insurance that gets sprinkled on you like fairy dust as, you, as we pray the, the sinner's prayer. You know, like, um, I'm saved now, hallelujah. It's, it's dying to self so that you can live in Christ and come alive in him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite, favorite authors, a favorite theologian, said it better than me in his book called uh, The Cost of Discipleship. He quotes this. It says, the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering which every man must experience is a call to abandon the attachments of this world. It is that dying of the old man which is the result of his encounter with Jesus. As we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death. And then it begins. The cross is not the terrible end of an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but it meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and to die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or it may be like the death of Luther who had to leave old man at his call to follow Jesus. And so, guys, the entryway for every Christian in this room, it says, hey, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. If you say that this morning, the entryway for every Christian to understand that what it means to do all that God's commanded you to do is discipleship. So many people I've heard, I've talked to over dinner or coffee or just meeting with people, like, what's God's will for my life? I just want to know what God's doing. What's he want to do in my life? What does he want to, what, where, where am I supposed to go with my life? Or who am I supposed to marry? Where, am I supposed to be a full-time pastor? Am I supposed to be a, a construction worker? This, where does God want for my life? But I tell you, every single one of those people who's asked me these questions usually were not making disciples. And when I, when I tell every person that comes to me with that question, I tell them, I say, start with the Great Commission. And then work your way out from that. And, and as we, and because I believe with all my heart 
that God brings a lot of clarity inside the boundaries of our obedience and, to sur- and surrender to what he's commanded us to do on his mission. And I think as we move into this new series called Disciple, I want us to lean in and gain some traction on who we are in Christ and what, what our calling is as followers of Jesus and, and what, our, what your whole life should look like as you follow him. Because Jesus is not some add-on that you add to your life. He's the center of all you are as you follow him. And so as we do that, we need to be, we're going to start at ground zero this morning, at the beginning. And as we do that, we need to be answering some questions, guys. Is, will we, will you, will I, will we, be, will we be a people that gives Jesus everything, who follow him in everything? Will we be known as a church, as a people who gave God our first and our best in all things? Will we be known for the amount of people that we're discipling and reaching? Will we be known as disciple makers here in this place? And this is what I want you to hear, too, is will we do whatever it takes now, right now, right now, to be where we feel like God is taking us in the future? Because if we don't follow him now, it's going to be hard to follow him into what he's calling us to in the future. And so, guys, this is a cultural, cultural thing in our church that has to shift. But personally, my question for you guys individually, each of you, what price are you willing to pay to make sure that one more person, one more city, one more unreached person hears about the gospel or hears about Jesus or understands the gospel and gets it? How many people, what, what, are, we, what, are, what are you willing to do? And here's the reason why we want to start with this topic. And I always like to start with the why of this but before I start with the what. But what it does is it shows you where we're at. And I was going to get really personal with you guys this morning for a second. And I want to just ask you, I want you to do it by a show of hands, but I kind of want you to just do it in your heart between you and Jesus, okay? I want you to, in this, in this room here this morning, who has a relationship with Jesus? Do you know I am a, I am, I am a born-again Christian? I am a saved. I've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, and I am going to heaven when I die. Okay, is that you this morning? Is that you? Are you not sure? If you're not sure, I'll talk to you in about, you know, in a minute, a few minutes. Who in here this morning has ever been discipled by another Christian? You know, who's, who's been discipled by another Christian? Who in here has ever made another disciple? Because if you haven't made a disciple and you say, I'm a Christ follower, you're looking over the Great Commission, I think you need to go back to ground zero and ask some questions of where you're at. Um, the last one is, who is currently in here right now making a disciple with the intent that they make another disciple? Like, where are we at in that? And just a few, just a few weeks ago, or last week, excuse me, we had 13 people get baptized. Is there anybody in, from that group that's in here this morning? Can you raise your hand if you got baptized last week? One, two, three. Three out of the 13. All right, well, they must be serving or something. So anyway, all right, so, <laughs> so listen, those three people got, got baptized last week. If you've never discipled somebody or if you're looking for someone to disciple, guess what? There's three people you can start with right there. There's three people. Talk to them after church. Say, hey, I've never done this before, but I'm willing to, I'm willing to work it out. With you. So we're going to start this morning in Matthew. Let's, let's, just, let's start reading the Word together. Let's, let's see what God does. So we're going to start this morning in Matthew um, chapter 28. It's the, it's the, it's the Great Commission. It's, it's hard to, to be in church for very long without hearing this preached, I hope. <laughs> Matthew 28, 19, or 18 through 20. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. It says this. So their page is frozen, so I'll wait just a second. Water. It says this. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's where you start listening. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. We're going to come back to this in a second, but I want you to hear this, this whole entire scripture right here. I want you to make no mistake this morning that making disciples is the central assignment to every believer is the central assignment to every believer. This isn't something that's up for discussion or a debate because it's so clear throughout Scripture, not just in this verse. A a Christian that isn't making disciples is a contradiction to the name Christian. 
that's a hard truth, but it is true. I've said it a hundred times over the past two years as I preached the will of God based on this verse. And I feel like, guys, it's the foundational command to go, to baptize, and to teach that God's our first steps to follow Jesus. And also, it's the command that will sustain us as we step, as we grow. It's it's this command to go. And in Matthew 28, I'll tell you this, it's the the original text. If you look back in all the the original language, the go, the baptize, the teach, what those are, those are all descriptive verbs that are all depending on the verb phrase, make disciples. You got that? So what this means is going, baptizing, and teaching are only correctly done if they are paired with making disciples. And so if I'm going to make it, if I'm I'm going and not making disciples, I'm not being fruitful. I'm being what Jesus told the Pharisees. I'm going over land and sea and making people twice the son of hell that I would be. That's what he told them. If I'm baptizing but I'm not making disciples, I'm not being a good steward of people. I'm just letting them hang out there and do their own thing. If I'm teaching, if I'm teaching people, but I'm not making disciples, then I'm not teaching the full gospel, and I become a false teacher. And so listen, all the other things that you are called to, guys, all the things that you're called to in life, whether you're a construction worker or a doctor or a banker or your life, are all centered. Whatever you're doing, all the, other, all the questions of what's God's will for my life are all centered and based on the, your capacity to make disciples who are making other disciples has to be this way. And here's a good question for you. Have you ever seriously considered that maybe God gave you your skill, your talent, your job, to not as a tool for making money, but as a platform for spreading the gospel, right? And so we focused on the money part, but we forgot about what God maybe wanted to use you for as you're making the money. See, our, 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 our perspective has been skewed by the world. And I want to talk to you really quick this morning about four quick things that if you implement in your life, will allow you to be productive in your disciple making. And, and it's, it's some of you guys this morning just need to start. Some of you guys this morning may have fallen off. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, like, it, it'll help you. The first thing is probably the most important, though. Own the mission. We just read the mission, pure and simple. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything to obey everything that I've commanded you. Well, everything that he commanded them, it can be found in this book. Read it, share it, teach it. John 15, let's start there. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to run through two verses right here really quick. John 15, 15 through 18 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. This is Jesus praying to God. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would by the truth, you're one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I am sent them into the world as well. John 20, 21 to 22. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with, he, when he, and with that, he breathed on them and, and said, Rejoice to receive the Holy Spirit. And I want to say for a second, wow. Wow. It says, just as. Just as you have sent me, I am sending them. That just as is probably the most important two words in those two verses. Just as. Just as Jesus was sent by God, Jesus is sending us into the world. It's the same, the same mission, the same sender, the same resources in the Holy Spirit. And we've been sent out by God to say and to show to the world that Jesus was sent into the world to save the sinners just like me. And what we proclaim is not about our church or anything to do with Connection Church, but all about Jesus and the good news of him. That's what we proclaim. We're meant to be a follower of Jesus as he laid out his example through the Gospels. It says in Philippians 2, that Jesus emptied himself of his deity and became like a servant or a slave. He, he himself. You know, I love uh, Donald McLeod. He, he's an author who wrote a book called The Person of Christ. One of his quotes in it is, is great. It says, Jesus did not, as incarnate God, live a life of detachment. He lived a life of involvement. He lived where he could see human sin, hear human swearing and blasphemy, see human diseases and, and observe human morality and poverty. His mission was fully incarnational because he was God, because he taught men by coming alongside of them. 
because he taught men by coming alongside of them, becoming one of them and sharing their environment and their problems. For us as the church, as individuals in an affluent society, that, that is a great embarrassment. How can we effectively minister to a lost world if we are not in it? How can we reach the ignorant and the poor if we are not with them? How can, we, how can our churches understand deprived areas if the church is not incarnate in the deprived areas? How can we be salt and light in the darkened ghettos of our cities if we are ourselves don't have any effective contacts and relationships with the Nazareth of our day? If we're profoundly unfaithful to this great principle of incarnational ministry and mission, the great prophet Jesus came right alongside of the people and shared their experience at every level. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And what has happened, we've been creating consumers. What has happened is a culture has been formed where we've been creating consumers. We've been creating consumers instead of owners. Instead of owners. And so, and, and trying to keep people in seats and tithes coming in the offering plates, we've prostituted the church out to man's desires of what, what man wants instead of what God wants. And what I see is very many beautiful churches, but very few healthy disciples. And that's sad in a church where I feel like we have so many resources, but not enough people to go into the harvest and to see God use you. And we've created events for people to come to and be entertained by instead of providing a place for the church to gather and celebrate Jesus and equip the saints for the works of the kingdom. We've, we've forgotten who we are in Christ and the mission we've been called to. We, we've de de defaulted back to sin management. We've gone back to the old priesthood of the Old Testament. Where we're expecting a preacher to come repent of his, your sins instead of understanding that you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy people bought by the blood of Jesus to be the hands and feet of him who sent you. That's what you are if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus. We've come, we, we have to have a clear understanding of this, guys, what it looks like to follow Jesus and then also what it doesn't look like. And that's become murky. You know, Christians, what you are is you're a sent one. You're a sent one of God. And, I, and this is why I promise today and every other day that I talk to you, I'll fight tooth and nail to be a sending church. I'll fight tooth and nail for this church to be a sending church, whether that means to our streets out here, to our communities, to our state, to our nation, and to the world. I'm going to fight tooth and nail to create a sending culture in you, that this will become your culture, not mine. This will become ours as a body to do this together, to be sent ones in your homes, to men to step up and lead in your homes, for, for men to step up and women to step up in our communities and to lead and then go into the world who people have never heard about Jesus and walk that out, to not be satisfied with just coming here to church and warming his seat, but being the church that Christ has called us to be in Scripture and not just be satisfied with talking about it or give some amens, but actually doing it. That's where it's at. John 15, 8 says, This is to my Father's glory that you would bear, what's that say? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Showing yourselves. That's, that's my Father's greatest glory is what he's saying. And my goal for every person in this room is that you would be disciple makers. Disciple makers who are making disciples. And this is the purest form of fruit in a believer's life, being on mission. That's, that's the purest form of fruit. You know. What you, I don't know enough. I don't know, what, I don't know what to say to people. I don't know how to disciple anybody. Start with what you know. What did the blind man tell the Pharisees? All I know, I don't know who he was, but all I know is I was blind, but now I see. Start with where you're at. Start with where you're at. The second thing, die to yourself. Die to self. This is a hard one for Americans to talk about. It's hard for me to talk about. Dying to self, Luke 9.23. Dying to ourselves, Luke 9, 23 says, Then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. And, but the thing is, is in, in about six or seven chapters later, he, he one-ups it. The cost of discipleship in Luke 14. I'll sum it up with this. It says, Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This is a hard teaching. It's hard to understand and listen. It's hard to hear sometimes whenever we live in a culture that's all about self and self-promotion. You know, guys, the cross, what Jesus is talking about, the cross was a tool of death. 
The cross was, the, these people hearing Jesus say this were very familiar with the cross because they were walking along streets where people were crucified all the time. They, were, they saw it all the time, the gruesomeness of it. And here's a fact, is that you cannot, you all around this room and me, myself, you cannot live on mission while also trying to serve self. They're, they contradict one another. They do. And when I was a rich young ruler, the reason he turned away is because he had so much wealth that he did not want to turn it away. He didn't, he didn't want to disown it to follow Christ. So to die to self, to set aside what we want in this life, and to focus instead on loving God with everything we have and value others, valuing others above ourselves, what this does is it moves us away from self-centeredness and pride. It moves us away from self-centeredness and pride. And what it does is it moves us closer to becoming open-hearted and open-handed to, as followers of Christ to people who need Jesus, to people who need a hand in life. And what I know, this is a fact, it's so much easier to pay attention to the concerns and interests of other people when our own interests no longer consume us. That's what I've learned in my own life. And, and as disciples, you know, you think about the disciples who were martyred for their faith and the Christians who are to this day being jailed and martyred for their faith. This is the mindset that consumes them. They've seen something so beautiful in Jesus that motivates them to lay themselves upon a cross and die to their desires to see Jesus glorified. He mattered more than anything in this world. I know I've shared a lot of book quotes this week, but studying this has driven my mind just deeper. And A.W. Tozer, a great author, says this, in every Christian's heart, there's a cross and a throne. And the Christian is not going to do that for you. The cross. Until he puts himself on the cross. Jesus is not going to do that for you. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is at the bottom of the backsliding and the worldliness among gospel believers today. We want to be saved, but we insist Jesus do all the dying. No cross for us, no dethronement, no dying. We remain king within the little kingdom of our soul and wear our little tinsel crown with all the pride of a Caesar, but we doom ourselves to shadows of weakness and spiritual sterility. We have to die to see us get on mission for Christ. Have to. The third thing is open up your life and share it. You want to see yourself be successful in discipleship? Open up your life and share it with other people. Give your life away to the people. Because discipleship is not... It's not just some structured thing. It's, it's organic and it's relational. You, you, you get in a relationship with people and you learn about them. They learn about you. You're doing life on life. In Proverbs, it talks about iron sharpening iron, man sharpening man, woman sharpening woman, sharpening one another as we follow Christ. And, and what I love about it is Jesus' main method for reaching people was not preaching to the masses. It wasn't preaching to a great crowd or a program. Let's, let's, get, let's do this or this. It was sharing his life with people. He would just live with people and hang out with them and, and love them and, and do life with them and teach them and use, use life lessons to, to teach and to guide and, and to mold. And one of the best quotes I've heard on discipleship in a very long time was actually at the IF gathering. I didn't attend the IF gathering. I just walked in at one point. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> so what it is, is it says this, is this. Discipleship is not 60 minutes at Starbucks talking about the Bible. I was like, yes, Lord. That's what I'm talking about right now. Listen. It's not 60 minutes at Starbucks talking about Scripture. That's part of it, maybe. That can be part of it. We can, let's meet at Starbucks and talk about Scripture. That can be part of it, but that's not all of it. And that's where I failed sometimes. You know, it, it's, it's a day-to-day, -day and it's not always nice, and it's not always clean, and it's probably going to be inconvenient, and it's probably going to interrupt your life. It probably is going to interrupt your life. But more times than not, it's messy, and it doesn't feel like you're being effective. But are you going to be so busy with life and your own concerns that you don't do the one thing that God has called you to do as a Christ follower? You know? And that's what I want to ask you this morning and challenge you with is one of the things we don't talk about enough is, the, is like in Scripture, all throughout the Gospels, I read about the power of hospitality in, in, in Scripture. Jesus, every time that, that Jesus was having a, uh, you know, he was, he was going to involve himself going to or, or any time there was a, you know, some sort of disciple-making process going on, Jesus was always going to or coming from a meal. meal thing, you know? It's my kind of Savior, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm, in, I'm in with the meal thing, you know? So discipleship, and I have this on the screen as well, discipleship is doing normal life with someone 
with gospel intentionality. Doing life with someone with gospel intentionality. And I want to tell you this as a promise. I know that God has strategically placed you, specifically, He has placed you in someone else's life to make a disciple. He has. He's put you where you're at for a reason. And He wants to use you to equip people for that. He wants to use you to equip people to, to, to be able to raise them up. And I want to challenge you today. There's people in your life that you can think of probably right now that go to your, that work with you or that's your, at your house or that you go to church with, I don't know, that, that needs to be discipled. And the gospel needs to be shared with them. It, write, it, write their name down. If you're, if you're taking notes, write their name down and pray for them. Pray that God would give you an opportunity to speak to them. And that God would give you the courage to, to open up a door and, and, and walk through it. So who's that one person? Who's those two people? The last thing is probably my favorite, and it's probably the one that's most personal to me. It's kill the excuses. Kill the excuses. How many times, there's a bunch of them. One I love the most is I don't, I don't, I don't know enough. Anytime somebody comes to me and says, I don't know enough, I'm like, bro, come on. Listen, I don't know enough. Okay, okay. listen, this is, an, this is insecurity, plain and simple. It's insecurity. It's insecurity, and it needs to be destroyed by the root. So my question is, what do you know? Like, as you're following Jesus, what do you know? And if you come to a, if you come up empty with that one, then let's start back at salvation. What do you know about the gospel? You know, what levels of knowledge are you believing you have and to, to have to start to obeying the Great Commission? At what point are you like, okay, I know enough to obey Jesus? Do you know what I'm saying? I know enough to start making disciples. Like, at what point do you get there? You know what I mean? It's kind of like when I make enough money, I'll get married. At what point do you have enough money to get married, right? It's always, you never do. I have, okay, listen. So it's, it's, that's the way it is. And, you know, I told you earlier about the blind man. You know, all he did was he went to the Pharisees. And I don't know who the guy was, but all I know is he changed my life. All I know is I, I was blind, but now I can see. And as Jesus changed your life, Christ in you is the hope that the world's looking for. Christ in you is the hope of glory, is what Philippians says. Colossians, excuse me. So start with what you know and grow from there and help others grow as well. Start with the book of John. And I, I love it when people come up to me and say, it's a great place to start. You know, I, I love it when people come up to me and say, well, you know what, I, I witness with my life. I, I do good things. People, I, witness, I witness with how good I live my life. And my question is, how exactly does that work? You know, uh, bottom line is, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't. You don't. You don't witness by the way that you live. You don't. You can't based on the gospel. The gospel is not an inspiring demonstration of what an awesome person you are. That's not what it's about. It, it, it's literally news about what Jesus had to do because you weren't a good person and you were so messed up because Jesus had to come die for you. It's a spoken message that comes out your mouth to other people. It's the good news of the gospel is what it is. The gospel is not be a kind person like me, bro. No, that's not what it's like. It's Jesus saved me when I couldn't save myself. That's what the gospel is. It's a humble message. And many Christians, they hide behind the quote from St. Francis of Assisi's quote that says, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And if I can go back in time, I would slap him. I'll be honest with you. I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. It's a great, it's a great principle. But it's the biggest cop-out in Christianity today. It is. And Romans says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's a spoken thing. Discipleship, evangelism. And the last little excuse we like to use is I don't have time. I don't have time to make a disciple. I got work, I got family, I got church, I got connect group, I got this, I got that, I got this. The list goes on and on and on. And this is what we call in church a lie. A lie. That's a lie you've either believed or you told. But be honest. Be honest with yourself for a second. You have plenty of time to do the things that are important to you, right? Find time for it. Find time to do the things that are important to you. And you make time for, to make extra money. You make time to go on a date with your wife. You make time to spend with your kids. You make time 
to do the things that are important to you. And so what do you do when you look at your life and you look at these four things and you look at discipleship and you look at the lack of it in your life, you look at those things and am I a servant, am I, am I a worshiper, am I a missionary? And you look at those things and you come up wanting, you say, man, I'm missing it. So what do you do? And what I know is I've heard, I've heard a pastor say recently, he says he's here, he's heard a, a lot of mature Christians that say all the time that I want to go deeper in my faith. And I'm like, I've heard that a thousand times in my connect group, just my connect group. Who say this, what people, the, the people that are usually saying these things usually aren't making a disciple. And, and here's my question for you today is that what else do you need to know that will make you obey the things that you already know? What makes you, what, what else do you need to know today that will make you start walking in obedience to the things that you already know and that you already learned yesterday and the week before? What else is there? The answer is nothing. The answer is to take a step today, to walk in obedience today, to start today. What they say is they want to go deeper, but I'll tell you, I'll be honest, I think what they really mean is they want to go wider. I think what people say, they want to go wider to increase their knowledge. They want to increase their knowledge because the term deeper, what it points to is an intimacy with God. An intimacy with God. Uh, one that, an intimacy that leads to greater obedience. One that, one that leads us to change and to move. And I think with a clearer and deeper view of our Savior comes a greater desire to please Him and do the things He's called us to do. And, and many of us in here today, I'll tell you this, we need to stop doing so many Greek word studies and start being more obedient. You know? Like it's, it's time. It, it never, it never, it, 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 never come to me and want to debate predestination or the Trinity or any other kind of doctrinal debate if you hadn't shared the gospel in a year. Never talk to me about that. I did, listen, that's what I want you to hear is the gospel is the p- power comes from behind the faith. It's the power of God for salvation. And, that, and that's what the power comes from behind the followers of Jesus as we make disciples is, 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 is the power of God that, that catapults us to make disciples. And so my question today is do you have others in your life that you're bringing along in the faith? Do you have people in your life that you're carrying along, that you're building up, that you're leading to the cross? And who can you point to that's in church today that's following Jesus more because you've been faithful to what God's called you to do in the Great Commission, taking them from where they are to where God wants them to be. And so as we move out from here, guys, and start next week talking about servanthood, start talking about worshiping, start talking about mission. Believers in this room, if you're not making a disciple, the, the answer is easy. Come to this altar and repent. Start Start, start with obedience. If you're not saved here today, my heart for you is for that you would know Jesus because Jesus came to this earth to die a death that was owed to you to save you so that you can live a life that was owed to him in eternity. The gospel is so beautiful. If you've never had a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive that, to walk in that. But guess what? Walking into a relationship with Jesus is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of eternity. It starts now. And then the beginning of who he is. So this morning, and then you walk into more discipleship. And then you walk into a greater knowledge and understanding of who he is. So this morning, if you've never walked into a relationship with Jesus, I don't care if you've raised your hand 10 times in church. I don't care if you've got baptized 17 times. But you've never truly given your life to Christ in obedience and surrender. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. And if that's you, at Connection, what we do is we like to, to ask people to be bold and courageous because Jesus did something pretty bold when he walked up the hill of Calvary and got crucified for our sins. And so, guys, he did that for you, for me. So we need to live our lives for him. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to ask you, would you raise your hand so we could pray with you? Is that anybody here this morning? I'll wait. If it's not, I just want to pray for you, and I want to pray for you guys who are um, who I mentioned before about you believers who are um, struggling with this. And so let's pray, and then we're going to sing one more song, and then we're going to go. But um, don't let this leave your, your heart. Don't let this truth of Scripture walk away from you as you walk out of here. Because God's called you to greater things than you're settling for, I promise. So, Father, I praise you. I, I love you. I, I just give you the honor and the glory and the praise for all things. God, you've done so much. God, you've, you've created all things. God, you've, you've, you've saved us from our sins through your son. I praise you for that, God. I pray this morning, God, there's somebody here this morning that's far from you, that you would draw them near. God, that you would begin calling them to you. 
I pray that you would use us to be able to be good stewards, to disciple, to walk alongside God, and to, and to teach and to love and to be outreaching, God. We love you so much. God, just pour out your love on us. Let us see clear. God, take away the blinders. Take away the distractions, God. We just praise you. We give you all the honor and all the praise and all that you do. In your name I pray. Amen.